This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Land Rover. Whether you're headed to a match or a weekend away, there's plenty of space for your team and their gear in the new Discovery Sport. If they were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Land Rover. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to have another school's rugby special here for you and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Tony Ward and Des Berry once again. Guys, thanks so much for coming in. Pleasure, Will. Well, Tony, I think we'll start off with that sensational shock in the first round. Gonzaga beating Black Rock uh, in the opening game in Donnybrook. You know, a last minute try and what a try it was. 25 phases they went from their own 22 to the opposite end. You know, not only does it blow this, tor- this competition wide open, I know you'd maybe tipped uh, Black Rock to be up there with St. Michael's as the favourites, but where does it rank in terms of an all-time uh, shock for you? I know, it's right up there. God, if I was really pushed to say the biggest of all time, because it was a final, I'd say probably Newbridge and, and Black Rock in 1970, where Newbridge really turned form and everything on its head. Uh, so to beat, probably the best time to get Rock Will is in the first round. We all agree on that before they get into their rhythm. Um, actually, something you should do, I was thinking before we came into this today, when you're talking to one Luke Fitzgerald, just ask him, when last was a Black Rock College sixth-year uh, group able to concentrate on the academic side and its leaving certificate in January. Yeah, it's definitely been a while. Anyway. <laughs> it's first. Anyway, getting back to the, the uh, Gonzaga were magic, uh, I have to say. Uh, they built on last year. You can see the confidence that's come through from getting to that final last year. And you've got to say, I mean, Rock seemed to be in control in the game in the latter stages. And yet Gonzaga were still in right to the final whistle. And as you just pointed out to me, I didn't realise there were 25 phases in that yeah, build-up. Yeah, from around 20 to 25 phases to I mean, get down to win the game. Absolutely superb. Yeah. You know, they're a brilliantly coached team. They're in great uh, condition in terms of strength and conditioning. Uh, confidence in the school is at a high. They're well organised from under 13, under 14 as it is now, first year all the way up to under 19, senior. And uh, and they're more than worth their place in the quarterfinal based on the evidence of last week. Yeah, doesn't it was the way in which they won the game that was just so spectacular. It was the tries they scored. You know, Harry Colbert dropping the ball over the top. Simon Wilson with a great pickup, and even in the you know in the first half the cross or the crossfield kick earlier in the game that Simon Wilson fielded. You know, fantastic rugby. Like they play a great brand as well. They do play a great 
great brand. I think I said it last week. They, they are quite similar to Michael's in, in their structure. They've become very professional. Tony knows better than me. The last three, four, five, six years, they really have taken um, taken rugby very, very seriously. But uh, they were actually 16-3 down at half time, And whatever about the Rock side, it had names on, on paper. But, of course, you don't play games on paper. Rock had a, a, a really good side out. But uh, coming six, what other school other than maybe a St. Michael's would be able to come back from that leave at 16-3? So they built a lot of belief and they are a team. It doesn't matter whether they're better or slightly inferior. They're going to stay there till the last minute and you'll have to put them away. They're, they're, they're not going to go away. Yeah, because Tony, that's the kind of thing. The manner of the comeback is maybe one we usually associate with Black Rocket and their ability to, no matter what the scoreboard is, they always have that innate confidence that when the final whistle is blown, they'll be the ones on top. And it was that's what's so impressive that Gonzaga, as you said, sixteen three down. They never they never gave in. It could have been very easy just to say, okay, you know, we're going to be beaten here. And you know what I love that you mentioned there, Simon Wilson. I, I just thought he lit up the second half. And there was a little, as you said, there was, there was just just before time he got involved in the game on the left wing. But it was just it was brilliant play um, and very inventive. And that's what I love seeing. Obviously, uh, as you said, the Colbert put the kick across the field, and that's a really difficult kick for a ten, a right footed ten from the right hand side of the field going left. But he got it right on, and Wilson went for it, and he did a tremendous second half. He actually was the spark that ignited the comeback in my opinion yeah and in the end as you rightly say they hung on in and I, I, I didn't meet anyone coming out of the ground who not only did not begrudge Gonzaga their victory I, I won't say they delighted in it but obviously all neutrals did delight in because it's good to see it go around but but they thought that uh, Gonzaga given the manner in which they did come back deserved to win and what a way to start uh, the cup campaign, especially being on TV as well. A lot of people got to see it, Des. But I guess they, now the, their reward is St. Michael's in the next round, who, unfortunately for Temple Carrick, drew the short straw against St. Michael's in the first round. You know, a great you know journey to get there. They were obviously never probably going to win that realistically, but it sets up this phenomenal battle. Probably the two favourites now going for the rest of the tournament, going head to head. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say Clongos might have something to say about that uh, as regards Gonzaga. But we were talking about the dream team argument with BlackRock last week but I was just looking back BlackRock that BlackRock team was largely a 1-10 to 10 team they were unbelievably powerful I mean the spread of talent on this team is it's I don't know many want to be professionals but the spread of high level kind of provincial international talent is wild like starting at Chris Cosgrove at fifth, Cosgrave at 15 and going in going along to Will Hickey the captain at 8 but I mean, it, it is one of those things. Uh, they, they weren't given a good test by Temple Carrick, but that was to be uh, expected. But um, it, it's one of those ones you think Michael should win, but because of the way Gonzaga are and the way they play, anything could happen, really. Mm. Couldn't, especially if Gonzaga get a good start. I mean, maybe it's just last year when Michael's got over the hump and, be, and won that final. That, that, that might play a bigger part this year uh, than, than you'd expect, even. I, I think even beyond that, uh, everything that Des says, bang on, but it's the strength and depth. They have a squad this year and have had them all the way up. And honestly, there's no weakness. There must be, and I don't know this for a fact, but there must be two, if not three, players competing for every position. Now, how many schools can boast that? And Michaels is still a relatively small school. Now, I think there's around 600, is it, in numbers now at this mm -hmm. stage? So it's not as big as Rock or Terranure, or, you know, the, the bigger schools still. Um, but this is a particularly talented Michaels group. Um, I, I fancy them to beat Gonzaga. I feel really sorry for 
Gonzaga with the draw because it's the last thing they wanted. And don't kid yourself otherwise. I know people trot out this thing. I would have to beat every team if you're going to win the cup anyway. They could have done with them in the final or semi-final at worst. So it's a really difficult game. Uh, the, the ground is going to be heaving on Tuesday next, regardless of live television. <laughs> and a word on Temple Carrig, obviously... Uh, like it felt so bad from the moment they were drawn out and they had to play Michaels because, as you say, the pedigree of that Michaels team. But it's still a great journey to get to the to the first round for the first time. Yeah, I, I was over at the. Uh, that was the only day I wasn't in in Donnybrook with Des. I, I was over in Templeville because Jared's were playing. Uh, we were playing. Uh, God, who were we playing last week? King's House. King's House, and. Uh, Alan Cox, the headmaster, was texting me from just down the road in Lakelands, where Terenio were playing, uh, where uh, Michaels were playing Temple Carrick. And when he sent me the first text, and I think it was something like 33 nil or something at half time, or coming up to it, and he said to me in his text, I, I won't read about you now, but he was really depressed, as you can imagine. <laughs> and his language was colourful, to say the least, coming from the headmaster. But yeah, very disappointing. That said, Temple Carrick, as we alluded to before uh, last week's programme, um, they've come an awful long way in a very short time. And the big one for them now is the Vinnie Murray Cup final. That team has already won the Father Godfrey Cup. They've lost a few of the players in the last two or three years to stronger schools but they still have a squad good enough to challenge KH in the final KH will be favourites but Temple Carrick will push them Yeah and just in terms of the other teams Des you know in, in the quarter final we have you know Clongos playing Jerry's uh, we have Newbridge versus mm -hmm. Kenny and the other match is Belvedere and Castellan Yeah Belvedere and Castellan Out of those teams who impressed you well, in the first round? It's a funny one because um, Clongos they were unimpressed. They lost their out half just before the kickoff. David Wilkinson, he's very influential, and they have some really good players like Callum Dowling and uh, and t uh, is it Tim Tom Mulcahy? He's a big rangy second row, and Peter Maher in the centre. But they just got better as the game went on, and there was something about them. It, they didn't start that well, but as the game got on, and once they got into a flow and began to dominate Terenure. By the way, I'd say Terenure centre, uh, Matt Stafford, McEttrick. Mm, he he has to be the most impressive player of the first round. Um, he's just an, a, a guy to keep an eye on. He, he he's very direct, a big centre. But anyway, um, they just got better and better. Clongos and and they are a school that do get better with each round, but they got better within the game itself. And, and I think you can say the same thing about Newbridge. They they didn't start that well, uh, but got better and better. And they have they have some actual, a lot of X factor players like Donald Conroy, Marcus Kiley in the centre. They are a team to watch, aren't they, Tony? And Philip Lawler's... Uh, Wasn't Donald Conroy the one who switched from the left yeah, wing in the, the first left, half yeah. to the centre? He, just like Wilson Perkins, I got the exact little, same impact, yeah. Absolutely. Little. Yeah, like 45 points in the first round is huge. And, you know, they'll look at their draw in the quarterfinal and th against Kilkenny and think that's a real opportunity for Johnny Murphy, his first year as head coach, to make a semi-final. Yeah, I would uh, I would fancy to, to Newbridge to win that. Um I was really impressed with them, particularly in the second half. I mean, bear in mind, they were seven behind to CBC coming up to half time, and they got a try literally in three or four minutes of injury time at the back event to bring it back to seven all. But in the second half, and, and Conroy, he really lit it up now. He was outstanding. Like, I, I'm curious to see which is his better position. I can only assume it's centre, given the impact he had. But he has the pace, so playing on the wing as well. He, there's some really good individuals coming through. Uh, Des was saying about the Terenure Centre 
really and impressed me too. I thought he was outstanding. Um, I, I thought the best all-around play I've seen from any one player so far, funny, and you mentioned him there, was from Mulcair, who's a bit of a, an unknown quantity in the second row for Klongos. He was absolutely brilliant. He, I hate the term first receiver, but the number of times he took the ball in that position and his footwork was just amazing. He was outstanding. Scrum half was very good too, the number of breaks that he made in the game. Of all the teams I've seen, and I hate saying this because, as you know, I'm involved in Gerrards and we're playing them on Thursday in the quarterfinal. The team that looks to me to have the greatest potential to improve even more from what I've seen, I would have to say, is Klongos. They are definitely the dark horse with what remains. And as Des mentioned, it was a funny game in the sense that Terenure in the opening exchange just looked like it was a scalp there for the taking. They were really on top, but then, as you say, Congo's really grew into it. Yeah, Terenure played really well, and I'm delighted to see that. And I saw in the junior, I've been going on a lot about the fact that Gonzaga are taking over from Mary's and Terenure in Dublin 6 and D6W. Uh, and at junior level, Gonzaga were knocked out, whereas both Mary's beat Gonzaga and Terenure qualify. So they're both in the quarterfinal at junior, which is very, very important. Um, but certainly, a senior, uh, Terenure surprised me. They were an awful lot better than I had expected from what I had been hearing. And now it's very different when the cup comes around. But I thought that was a really gutsy performance. Not just gutsy, a performance of substance from Terenure, particularly in the first half, but then in the second, mm. one-way traffic. And one of those other big heavyweights stays into the next round was Belvedere. They beat St. Mary's. And another game that was, you know, St. Mary's maybe in the open exchanges looked pretty good, but they didn't really capitalise on the dominance. And then Belvedere kind of pulled away. Yeah. Belvedere, <coughs> they never really impressed you too much, even when they have a great team as they go along. The, the cup winning, recent cup-winning teams, they're more an aberration in that they were very impressive from day one, th those teams, David Hawkshaw and those guys. But um, it, I, I don't know. I don't know how much room because we would have seen these guys play as junior and they haven't really impressed that much in the, as they've come up. The players like Daniel Hawkshaw, you know, is a nice footballer, Dylan O'Grady from... Uh, from full back but I don't know if they have the uh, they just don't have that many players that threaten you by themselves you know um, so I, I, but still I, I can't see Castlenock if, Cas if Castlenock can get it together they've got some good players Conor Duggan and Fionn Gibbons the big centre they were both Irish schools I think they're in the Irish school squad this Christmas like they're they're very good players and one player who hasn't been mapped is the guy who got the two tries Fergus Stanley the, the flanker I, I was sitting in the box with uh some of the coaches saying, does anybody know about this guy? And they were there. No, I haven't really seen him before. Not an overly big guy, but a guy who breaks the first tackle every time. Mm. So he's a guy to watch. He's a kind of an under-the-radar guy, Fergus Daniel, Stanley, Stanley. It's not because he got the two tries. It's There's something about him. He pl plays with a bit of hardness, I think. But Castleknock, I mean, they want to play better than have all season to beat Belvedere, I'd imagine. Yeah, and in terms of the same areas effort that we talked before, um, the game that it was a young team and maybe it was probably a year too soon for them but I know uh, one of their young centres who will be there again next year sort of fantastic try on the day like was there a, was there still promise there do you think you know looking forward that was a brilliant try mm. running literally the length of the pitch from the back to end to the Wesley and superb try um, and bear in mind too that like uh, Clongos losing Wilkinson uh, just before the game uh, Mary's lost Sloan the number eight um, 
with injury and the build-up to that game. So he was a huge loss because he was probably the most influential player on that junior side that got to the final against Rock two years ago. Again, like Terran Ewer, I was impressed with Mary's. I, I, th I thought they put in a good performance. Belvedere deserved it in the end. There's no doubt about that. But I would say the same, and Jerry Foley, headmaster, will love me saying that. I, I wasn't overly impressed with Belvedere, but they're in the quarterfinal again. Uh, they have to be able to shout. Um, but to me, at this point in time, they don't look potential cup winners, where I know I'm repeating myself, Clongos looked that to me, depending on how the draw goes, obviously, from here as well. Yeah, so there just seem to be a lot of kind of people, you, the two of you both feel Clongos are probably best placed to give Michaels a run for their money, is that yeah, fair? That, that's what it looks like, but yeah. then things can change in a round. It's amazing what can happen, you know. But then some of the, yeah, a lot of, of course, there's, we just come back to the coaches sitting in the stand all the Leinster coaches are, there could be any number of them there and they're looking for talent obviously so uh, it'll be a big game not not that they're definitely going to lose the quarter final but Charlie Tector he's, he's kind of a Leinster Interpro Irish level out half playing for Kilkenny and uh, I don't know I, I thought he, he um, he's a big tall guy and, and he's a very talented player but it'll be interesting to see how he, he goes against Newbridge you know Playing on a team that shouldn't win—it's always a great judge of a player, isn't it, Tony? Mm -hmm. yeah. When you're when you're the main guy on a team that shouldn't win, that's where you might really see somebody come to life, so to speak. Sorry, just no, no. On, on that, Will, I was just going to say, you know, it's uh, this is nostalgia on my part now because I'm well ahead of you two guys who were in school. But it's great to see Castle knock back in the shake-up again. Um, I mean, they were one of the giants of schools rugby, and they are a sleeping giant. And Adrian Flavin and Jeremy Staunton, and you know, they're all doing their bit to get the game back again. And I would love to see Castle knock back competing with the top schools again. And it'll be good for rugby in West Dublin, good for the game in the province. Um, and that and that is the other good thing. There's a lot of if you look at the balance. I'm not sure what the breakdown is. I think it might be four and four between so-called mid-ranking schools and the top six in the last. Uh, top six schools in the last eight of the cup and that's good and that shows you the progress that has been made by the so-called lesser schools so mm. there is a, a gradual easing out that said Michaels and Rock are still operating at a different level yeah and Des just to your point about you know looking at a player in a team that isn't expected to win was there anyone from the losing teams in the first round or any of the teams or the individual players who you thought looked you know like a good promising prospect or, or a good team I didn't come prepared for that now, <laughs> but uh, I know, well, actually the reason <laughs> I kind of threw in uh, Matt M Stafford McGettrick yeah. into it, that's probably why. Yeah. There are guys there though, and it's very interesting, um, like he's still in the quarterfinal, Freddie Happen and the hooker from Jared's is a, is a great little player. He's uh he doesn't he's a, he doesn't take any nonsense. So you're kind of looking, I think, I don't know whether you look for attitude, what you look for, it depends what you like, but um. As regards the first round, yeah, my old school Ross Gray, Shane Mallon, they had uh, he's highly thought of as outside centre. But I mean, it 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 kind of really came home to me when you're talking to guys after a match. For instance, he had not played hardly for a while. It was his first game back. A lot of players who go on to be something come into the cup, and it's 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 all they have to do. They'll play through whatever injury, whatever. So you, you're never quite sure what you're seeing about the player mm. because you ask around afterwards and you'll find out well he hasn't played for five weeks and it's his first time he's he only trained last Tuesday and that's just one example what, what, one uh, <coughs> one one player I do like though two players from Newbridge uh, Dermot 
Dermot Mangan and Donna Lawler. He's the son of Phil, the former Irish international, and uh, looks quite like him as well. So they're two big, rangy forwards. So I like to look at them, yeah, but it's hard to tell. You know, you try and ask the coaches, they'll tell you nothing. These are the Leinster coaches. Yeah. Well, a couple of interesting prospects there. And what, and what about uh, Jared Tony? You know, with your own, I know your own. Oh, they're good. Yeah. And, and Freddie played very well. Freddie Happenden against uh, against KH last week. Josh Watson had a big game in the middle of the field. Um, I think I think the beauty now, will going forward, is that we've four cracking games lined up next week from Monday through to Thursday. And as Des said about players being under the radar, not being spotlight, uh, and not being uh, not being spotted. Uh, thus far by whether it's Leinster coaching or the screening process they put into place from under 14 up. Um, what an opportunity this is now. On the biggest stage of all, they're live on television as it happens as well. So there'll be no hiding out there, but equally it's a great opportunity. And particularly for the lesser schools who wouldn't often have that opportunity. Um, and I can certainly say that from a Gerrard's perspective. Uh, we're really up against it, but the opportunity, and the kids appreciate that, is once in a lifetime, that's the reality. And, and Leinster coaches. When it comes time to, for the academy places to be handed out, I think the biggest, the most interesting uh, thing that Leinster are going to have to think about is where they're going to try and progress Chris Cosgrave's game. Everybody knows about him, he's a talent. But where is he going to play? Where does he fit in the professional system? So uh, he's playing a full, I think he'll be an out-half. I think he's an out-half. He's never really played there that much, but... You know, that's his passing is is the best part of his game apparently, which is hard to believe. But he's a beautiful kicker go. of the ball as well. He yeah. he really is a talent. Yeah. Uh, who, if he's handled properly, and if he develops physically, and obviously avoids injury, he has all the bits. Uh, and I've spoken to his dad. He he was on the team of the year that we had last year, and uh, he's got a great attitude. And I I think that's for me that's the biggest thing of all. If you've got the talent, and you can marry that with attitude, mm. happy days. Well, just to quickly move on to, to Munster as well, Tony. I know Prez Cork beat Christ, or Crescent rather, and Christians beat Castle Troy to progress to the semi-finals, which sets up kind of t two quarterfinals. We have Rockwell and Munchens in the quarterfinals, along with Crescent and Castle Troy. You know, you kind of mentioned that the two Cork schools were probably the, the two heavyweights this year, and has it kind of transpired like that? But of the teams, I guess in the quarterfinals now, who, who do you think is probably best placed to have a run? Well, a little bit like Mary's and Leinster, both Rockwell and Munchens are field, fielding young senior squads this year because Munchens won the Junior Cup two years ago and uh, Rockwell won the Junior Cup last year. So they're trying to nurse those players through. Christians and Prez are that bit ahead at this point in time. I thought Crescent and Castle Troy would be next, but they, they, they both tasted defeat. That said, with the system they have in Munster now, they're still involved in uh, the quarterfinals. So it's all to play for between the three Limerick schools and the Tipperary school, mm. uh, still in it. Um, I mentioned the last day, and I'll, I'll do it again. I told you uh, uh, the, the halfbacks for Munchens really are to watch out for. That's Keith Wood's young lad. Mm. And obviously at scrum half, uh, young Dunnick O'Callaghan, who while he doesn't look anything like his famous international uh, namesake, is uh, certainly one to watch in the future. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, uh, you know Alex Wood, Keith's son, playing it out half. I know Keith Wood did like to kick the ball, Des, but it is still funny how it works out sometimes. No different than Luke Fitzgerald, I guess, being a back three player when his old man was a, was a front row. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Keith was no. The sons are very frustrated dads, I think. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, it, it's interesting. You can't tell much by score lines, but the CBC Castle Troy 32 21, and then Prez was it 21 8, Prez Crescent 21 8. 
that's going to be a real, that's going to be humdinger. I'd say Castle Troy and Crescent. And uh, it's probably anybody's idea as to who will come it, out it of that one. Christians would probably be favourites marginally uh, based on uh, form up to junior. But just before uh, the cup, uh, just before Christmas every year, they play a charity game between Christians and Perez for the Brother O'Reilly Cup. And this year it was in Lansdowne. That's Christians Grant and Perez beat them there. And I think that's relevant. So it shows Prez, I won't say have their number, but they're capable of beating them. Mm. So I think it's a wide open cup mm. in, in Munster this year. Wide open between yeah. the two big Cork schools. And Christians actually beat Michaels earlier in the year. So uh, that'll tell you what sort of standard that's it. Yeah. They did beat Michaels. like So I think they've been by a point or two points on a yeah. bad day. But even in a friendly, the fact that they yeah, were yeah, able to do that. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. And we, in, in Ulster, we were talking before we came on air, they, they their cup, you know, kind of really does kick off tomorrow. They have eight ties in, in the last 16. But the scheduling isn't ideal, I guess, for those young players who'd like to maybe watch Ireland a quarter past two because I know some of the games are at half ten, but some of them are kicking off at 11. And if there's travel involved as well, it's just it's, it's unfortunate. Again, it's the history and tradition of the Ulster Cup. They've mm. always done it that way. They're home and away ties, as you know, mm. and they're held on Saturday mornings up until the semi final when they go to Raven Hill, the Kingspan, and obviously there for the final as well. Timing for this one, absolutely awful, given as well that the Ireland game is an early kickoff mm. of the three internationals this weekend so I think they're kicking off at around half ten I was looking on uh, Saturday morning which is awful you know preparing for a game at half eight in the morning like uh, <laughs> you know, I feel really sorry for them and bear in mind this is the highlight of their school year mm. everything is geared towards this but it's open we discussed this before uh, you, you're looking at the big uh, Belfast three again uh, Armagh good this year but Methody Campbell and Inst or BAI uh, Armagh are very strong this year and as I said to Wallace High as the possible outsiders you know they could cause a tumble or two in the coming weeks and, and in Connacht I know Marist are playing Sligo today in, in, in one of the, one side of the draw they're both yeah, true to the semi-finals it's kind of a matter of who gets top seeding um, so there's still a lot to play for in Connacht yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, for me, the exciting part is the fact that CBS Ross Common, not only at senior but at junior, are in the last four of both competitions. They won the junior league and won it convincingly. So they're in with a real chance of taking that. But it's just, yeah, you, you just look at the counties. I just look in there, what you just mentioned, Garbley. Like you've Ross Common, Galway, uh, Athlone, and Sligo, Grammar all involved in the semi-final, like, you know, being spread around the province. And at junior, you have Sligo Grammar, Garbley, uh, Roscommon, and Ballina with uh, St. Muradox. So isn't it great to see the mm. Cub, the talent, spread around the province, that there's competition? There aren't enough schools, granted, but certainly it's... Um, I, I think it's developing and developing in a positive way for Connacht Rugby. Yeah, well, Des, I'll give you the last word on anything Connacht-related or... Well, I can't actually speak to that, to be honest with you. But I wonder, is that has that got anything to do with the... I know Pat Lamb, when he was there, he made a huge effort to go out in, to reach out into the province. I wonder, did that have an effect it on is that why, is that why... Just, uh, yeah, they've continued doing that. Yeah. I mean, they spread the training sessions around the province. And what is it from... I forget what the expression they have is, from green shoots to green shirts, isn't yeah. it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. that they use. But it, it is relevant. And what I love about, because um, we all go back to the time when Connacht Rugby was almost extinct, as we know, the IRFU was making the decision in the early days of professionalism to let it go. And it would have been a disaster for the game in the West. The, the fact that players 
based in that part of the country can now earn a professional career and can run out in their theatre of dreams, which the sports ground, can't believe I'm saying that, but it is a lovely place now to what it was and it's going to improve again. I think that is just fantastic. And I, I, I must say I'm delighted to see the way the schools game is developing in Connacht. Could be better, there's still a big emphasis on youth, but it's improving. Well, I was just going to say that actually, I think maybe the fact that there isn't such a, a widespread traditional pull for the schools in Connacht means there's probably better relationships not better but I mean um, more uh, like a, a more recent uh, I suppose for want of a better word better relationship between the clubs and the schools you know I, w I wonder is that the case I'd like to think so. Um, Garbley is still a powerhouse over there, and don't yeah. kid yourself otherwise. And Colosh Dignod, the Jazz was, in fact, the Bish as well. That St. Joseph's Galway in their time were very strong too. They, they, they're somewhat weak in recent times, and the Jazz aren't good this year. Uh, but Garbley are still very, very strong. I have to admit, I do have a bias this time around because I've taken an interest in them and related to what you said, um, the very good relationship that has developed between Craig's Rugby Club and CBS mm. Roscommon. I'd love to see Roscommon do well in both Cups, under 16 and under 19, and they could well. They could well. well they're motoring well and still so much to play for across all four provinces. I'm sure we'll check back in later in the campaigns. But for now, Tony, Des, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Will. Pleasure, Will. And that's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing in association with Land Rover. We will be back a little later on in the Cup campaign with another Schools Rugby special. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Land Rover. Whether you're headed to a match or a weekend away, there's plenty of space for your team and their gear in the new Discovery Sport.